welcome back to Let's Talk Physical Media. My name is John, and this is the weekly podcast slash YouTube show where we talk about our favorite things in the world of physical media and film, and I answer all of your burning questions. And we got a loaded show for you guys. Not only was there a lot of news this week, but you guys have a lot of questions that you want me to answer, so we're just going to dive headfirst right into it. So we like to start the show off every single week with the news, and there was plenty of it. Early in the week, we got Scream and Shout Factory's November release announced. And I was very surprised, actually, because one of my most anticipated 4Ks of all time is my favorite Coen Brothers film, Fargo. And it finally got announced coming from Shout Select, and I feel like it kind of got buried underneath the regular Scream Factory releases. Are people not as big a fan of Fargo as I am? I mean, that's just a fantastic film. It's easily in my top 30 films all time. I just love that movie. That's where we all kind of learn that North Dakota accent. Oh, you betcha, yeah. Yeah, you betcha. You darn tootin'. I mean, that stuff came right out of that. I believe, if I'm correct, Frances McDermott won her first of three Academy Awards for that movie. She is great as the as the pregnant police chief. That was definitely William H. Macy's most famous role before he got Shameless. So that movie, I thought, was a big deal, but people will seem to be more excited for the announcements like the new 4K coming from Screen Factory for the movie Silver Bullet, which is another werewolf movie. Actually, one of the better ones. Not my favorite one. I still think An American Werewolf in London is my favorite, followed by The Howling, and I really like Teen Wolf as a big fan of Michael J. Fox. But Silver Bullet's getting a 4K Blu-ray release. Tales from the Dark Side, another anthology horror film, is getting a blue a 4K Blu-ray release, which is really cool. You know, we got Creepshow a couple months ago. I do enjoy horror anthology films. I feel like those always work better than dramatic anthology films. The best anthology film from a drama side, I would have to say, is still probably Wes Anderson's The Fresh Dispatch from a few years ago. But it does work very well in the horror genre, you know, with movies like Body Bags, The Creepshow Trilogy... And this film, I actually have only seen this film one time, so I don't really know too much about it, other than, you know, Stephen King did one of the parts in it, I think George A. Romero did another part, so it's like kind of still a teaming up of the Creepshow guys, so I'm very interested in revisiting it, so I might grab that one on 4K. They also announced Death Wish is coming to 4K, and no, not the original Death Wish that stars Charles Bronson, no, the Bruce Willis one that came out, I don't know how many years ago it was, but I really do not like that movie, but I guess some people do, and it's getting the 4K treatment. When they first announced it, I thought that they were announcing another Death Wish 4K, because the Death Wish Kino Lorber 4K only came out earlier this year, and it's a very good 4K. Not as good as Vinegar Syndrome's transfer of Death Wish 2, but Death Wish is still a pretty damn good 4K. Great revenge story. One of the better action films from the 1970s. That movie really grew on me, and I, I absolutely love that movie. Death Wish 2 is a kind of a step down, and I actually haven't seen 3 or 4, even though I think that they both are getting 4K releases, so maybe I'll have to check them out and complete the collection, or at least they're getting Blu-ray releases. For all you martial arts fans out there, the Sony Chiba Collection number 2 is coming out as well in November, and if you're a fan of those kinds of movies, I've actually never seen a Sony Chiba movie. The only thing I know about Sony Chiba and his films is that... Who is Sony Chiba? He's, he's bar none the finest actor working in martial arts movies today. Christian Slater's character from True Romance was a big fan of it. He was going to a Sony Chiba triple feature on his birthday. That's all he wanted to do. I could totally relate to the guy. I wouldn't be going to see Sony Chiba every single year on my birthday. What I like to do most, even since I was a little kid, was go to the movies. So I wouldn't mind. So I can definitely relate to Christian Slater's character in that sense. We're getting Farscape, the complete series. Chopper, we're getting a new Blu-ray release of. Surviving the Game. 
And here's what I'm really interested. We're getting the Police Academy collection. This has been previously released before on Blu-ray, but I guess we're getting brand new scans of them, and I'm all game for that. Who doesn't love the Police Academy films? Those are classics of the 80s. You know, they're, they might not have aged that well, especially some of the sequels, but they're still a lot of fun. You could just turn your brain off and really enjoy them. Some of the better comedies as an 80s film fan, I absolutely love a lot of the Police Academy movies, so I'm definitely looking forward to checking that out. Might grab that collection because I don't have any of them on Blu-ray. So those are the November Scream and Shout Factory releases, so it's a pretty good lineup for November. I'm most excited, obviously, about Fargo. I think that's the one that's a definite day one purchase for me. Silver Bullet and Tales from the Dark Side are exciting, and I'm really excited about the Police Academy collection, but everything else, you know, kind of feels like a little bit underwhelming to me, but some of that stuff might work really well for you guys, so let me know what you guys think. Are you excited for any of that stuff coming out in November? And then we also got announcements from Paramount. They announced that the Naked Gun is coming to 4K Steelbook, I believe, on November 28th. I'm a big fan of the Naked Gun. That's when we get Leslie Nielsen. You know, that was his big solo project. You know, he kind of was a he was a regular dramatic actor. Then Airplane came around, and he was absolutely hysterical in Airplane. Who doesn't love Leslie Nielsen in Airplane? I just want to tell you both good luck. We're all counting on you. And then he just became kind of a comedian, and he was most known probably for the Naked Gun trilogy. And we're getting the first one on 4K Steelbook, so I expect we'll probably get the sequel sometime down the line. But I'm really excited for that. And in that article, they kind of mentioned that Terms of Endearment is coming to 4K. They kind of glossed over it, and there hasn't been an official press release on that one yet. So I can't confirm it, but I've heard these rumors for months, and Terms of Endearment is one of my favorite films. It's the Best Picture winner, I believe, from 1983, so it's, so it's celebrating its 40th anniversary. A lot of Academy Award winners in there. That is one of my go-to crying movies. Jack Nicholson won Best Supporting Actor in that film, and you know, he has a really small role in it, but man, it does stand out. Uh, Jeff Daniels also pops up in that movie, I mean, as Deborah Winger's husband. Shirley MacLaine won the Academy Award for this movie as well. It's just a, te- it's just a mother-daughter movie about how their lives go from the time that she is born to her untimely death of cancer, which is, again, one of the saddest things in film history. That movie, I'll put it on. And it's funny because I was getting ready to put this movie on. It always feels like a fall movie or an autumn movie to me, even though the the drama of it, you know, you got to be ready to cry. But when you need a good cry, Terms of Endearment and My Life are the two movies that I always turn to. That, that movie just breaks me down. It breaks me down hard, and I just absolutely love Terms of Endearment. So that's one. If you haven't seen it, maybe wait till this 4K Blu-ray comes out, because it does have the potential to look beautiful, and I've had my Blu-ray for a very long time. And then we got one other thing officially announced. We talked about this already on the show, but it has been confirmed that the Alfred Hitchcock Collection Part 3 will be coming on October 31st, Halloween. And we will be getting a bunch of films in there, including one of my favorite Alfred Hitchcock films, Rope. And you can actually get that one individually, and that's what I will be doing. I don't need to own the rest of them. I still haven't bought in Volume 2, but I really have to have Rope on 4K. That is one of my favorite Alfred Hitchcock movies. He tried to go for the Warner in that one, and it's a lot harder to do back when that movie came out than with we saw with Birdman from a few years ago, which did win Best Picture, but Michael Keaton really should have won that Academy Award for Best Actor. That is heartbreaking. When he puts his speech back in his pocket after he doesn't win, breaks my heart. So that really was it as far as news goes. There was plenty of it this week. What are you guys most excited for coming to 4K in November? Let me know in the comments section below. Of course, if you're listening on podcasts, come over to YouTube, like, subscribe, 
And then you can comment, what are you guys most looking forward to in November? Man, that one is going to hurt the wallets. This fall is already hurting the wallets pretty bad. There were so many 4Ks that came out this past week. I can only afford Matilda and Sleepy Hollow, and I got spoiled. Those are both fantastic visual transfers. I actually think Matilda was the better 4K overall just because of the audio. The audio on Sleepy Hollow really didn't blow me away. And actually, I made a mistake in my review because I did say that they were both the same exact audio track. But really, the 4K had the looseless track, which kind of... uh is the upgraded version of the previous track, I guess, but it sounded good. Like, I want to be clear on that. It does sound good. It was just mixed not well. Like, the dialogue track is just way too low compared to everything else, compared to the score and, cons- and compared to the sound effects in the background. All that stuff is mixed way louder than the dialogue track, and I feel like that is just the biggest flaw of that 4K. But overall, man, visually, compared to the previous Blu-ray, that is stunning. 10 out of 10 visuals. So Sleepy Hollow is one you guys got to get your hands on, especially if you're a Tim Burton fan. And going into spooky season, you know, who doesn't want to get involved in spooky season? I'm all in on horror right now. The only times I'm seeing any kind of dramas or anything that's not horror related is when a new movie comes out that's non-horror. And I still have to go check that out, which I don't mind. I'm not complaining at all. I love movies no matter what they are. So we actually got about 18 questions this week. I'm going to try and answer them all. So we're going to dive right into those right now. So let's start it off with... And Stuart George has a YouTube channel called Stuart George's Home Movies. So make sure you guys go over there, check that out, and subscribe. And he asked, do you collect VH tabs, tapes? That doesn't make sense. Or your thoughts on people who do collect them? Well, I don't actually collect VHS tapes myself. I would love to collect VHS tapes, Stuart, but unfortunately, I don't have the space for it, and I really don't have the money for it either. But where I film in here is kind of actually right in front of me is where my movies are, so I don't really have much room, especially like I got the desk over here. This room is very small. When I bought this house, they had the balls to say that this was the second bedroom. I don't know who could sleep in here. This is basically a glorified closet. This is probably smaller than most people's walk-in closets, but they labeled this a second bedroom. The bed takes up the whole room if you can fit it in here. But anyway, I just don't have the space for those VHSs. I would love to collect VHS tapes. I get very nostalgic for them. Matt collects VHS tapes, and you know he has a CRT TV. He has a VHS player that could actually plug into an HDMI port. I would love to do something like that. Maybe one day when I get enough money and I get a new CRTV, well, I guess it wouldn't be a new CRT TV, but when I get an older CRT TV, I would love to collect VHS tapes again. I have so much nostalgia. I can still see all the box art. My family had collections of VHSs, but I never got my own. I didn't start collecting until DVDs came around. That was my first collection, and then when I was turned 18 and moved out, unfortunately, my mom held on to my DVDs, and I have no idea what happened to them after I left her house. So unfortunately, once I started my Blu-ray collection, I just went from there, and that was kind of turned into my beautiful 4k collection so yeah i definitely support people who collect vhs's i definitely wish i could i just want at least the batmans on vhs ace ventura dumb and dumber some of the ones just from my childhood that i burned the hell out of the vhs's back in the day but maybe one day i'll get to do that but that is a great question Stuart. i know you're a big vhs collector so definitely guys go over to Stuart george's home movies check it out you might like what you see over there and then the first kevin l question of the week is what are your favorite movie scenes that take place in the following locations so my favorite movie to take place in the desert this was probably the easiest one to figure out for me is raiders of the lost ark that's the first thing that pops in my mind when i think of the desert now i could have said casino because there's a lot of holes in the desert in that one you know vegas is in the desert it's just literally just a city in the desert but i have to go with raiders of the lost ark that desert has never looked more beautiful than it does on those indiana jones 4ks airport i immediately thought of airplane mainly because airplane is actually based on the airport 
disaster films that came out in the 1970s. It's a spoof and a satire of that. And uh, Airplane is a classic. It still holds up. We were actually just talking about Liam Neeson. This is where Liam Neeson got put on the comedy map. I also love that Robert Stack pops up in this. If people grew up watching Unsolved Mysteries and you saw Robert Stack on that show only, and then when you see him in a film like this, you know, that guy scares the shit out of you, and he really does on Unsolved Mysteries. And in this movie, he's a comedic role. Everybody, He's playing the straight-faced guy, though. Like, he never really budges, especially against Bo Bridges. Picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. I mean, that stuff is classic. I have to pick Airplane when it comes to Airport. And then Mall, I got Chopping Mall. That's just a classic horror film from the... Well, I guess it's more of a sci-fi film from the 1980s. But as runner-ups, I'm going to go with T2 and Commando, mainly because both of those movies actually take place in the same exact shopping mall. Obviously, they only have scenes in there, but... Still, it's funny that it's the same mall, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and you know, there's plenty of movies that take place in the mall. Not many that are really set in the mall, like Chopping Mall, though. That's why I would pick Chopping Mall. A ship. I gotta pick Titanic. The boat is the real big part of that movie, and that's what sold me on the movie. I could go Speed 2, because I did see that one a lot growing up as well, but I'm gonna still stick with Titanic. Leonardo DiCaprio, Kate Winslet, directed by Big Jim Cameron. Love that movie. It's not my favorite movie from James Cameron. I just really admire the special effects. Honestly, the love story doesn't exactly do it for me, so I don't really go into the movie for that. Paint me like one of your French girls, Jack. I don't go into that movie for that. I do really enjoy it, though. The ship stuff is amazing. When the ship starts sinking, all those special effects still hold up so well to this day. James Cameron actually, I believe, built... I don't think it's a one-to-one scale, one scale, but I think it was pretty close that he built for that. Sunk it and everything. All that stuff just holds up so well, so I have to go with Titanic. A restaurant. I'm going to go with the movie Waiting. I believe this movie came out in 2005 or 2006. Stars a young Ryan Reynolds, Anna Faris, Dane Cook pops up in this, Andy Milanakis. You guys remember Andy Milanakis? He has a small role in this and Justin Long is the star of it basically just telling the story of a restaurant that's all this movie is about a bunch of waiters and just one day in the job a new guy starts Ryan Reynolds is training him doesn't let him get a world in the movie's just absolutely hysterical some of the jokes haven't aged very well obviously it's been almost 20 years but it's still really really funny really really raunchy if you haven't checked out waiting if you've worked in a restaurant you owe it to yourself to do that because it really does nail that aspect perfectly High school, I gotta go with 1998's Rushmore. That's still my favorite Wes Anderson movie. It's really about the life of a high school student. You know, it's a more of an upscaled high school. You know, you gotta pay to get in pretty much kind of deal, if I'm correct. And he doesn't come from a wealthy background. This is really what put Jason Schwartzman on the map. He was a Coppola. So Wes Anderson worked with him. Brought Bill Murray to everyone's eyes in the dramatic categories. You know, he wasn't just known for the comedies anymore after this. Really sent him on a different path. That kind of led him up to what I think is his best dramatic performance in 2003's Lost in Translation. But it all got started here 25 years ago. And that's still my favorite film to take place in high school. A Strip Club. Um, I, This one I had a little bit of trouble with. Because I can't think of many movies that are set in a strip club. At least for like the whole movie plenty of movies do pass through a strip club so i picked what my favorite strip club is in a movie if you guys remember the first bad boys movie they are in a strip club in that one and i've never seen a strip club like that i don't even know if they exist where i live we were actually just talking about this the other day i've only been to one strip club in my entire life and it was pretty damn disgusting and i never want to go back to a strip club but in movies they make them look like these really classy joints a lot of them have some nice breakfast buffets so I would love to actually go to one like that, I guess? I don't know. They do seem pretty nasty to me either way. But hey, if you are a stripper, I fully support your job. Because you know what? If I could do it, I would. 
And then grocery store, I got employee of the month. Speaking of Dane Cook, this star Dane Cook, Dax Shepard, and Jessica Simpson. Movie's pretty underrated in my opinion. It's pretty funny. It's it's forgettable, yeah, but it does take place in like a Costco, Sam's Club, BJ's kind of warehouse setting there. And, you know, it's about becoming the employee of the month. Who's going to be the best? You know, Dan Cook, at the beginning of the movie, he doesn't care about his job. Like most people working at like a, you know, nine to five in a supermarket kind of job would. But Dak Shepard takes that job really seriously. And they kind of build up a rivalry with Jessica Simpson at the center of it, of course. And then at church, I got Prince of Darkness. This is kind of John Carpenter's forgotten classic. I actually want to review the 4K, the Scream Factory 4K here on the channel one day because I just absolutely love that 4K. Just such an underrated film in general. But one day I will review that because that movie takes place in a church the entire time. And it is pretty scary. It also features Alice Cooper in a blink and you miss it cameo. You bring back Donald Pleasance and overall it's just a good movie. You know, it's a straightforward horror tale, one that John Carpenter loves to tell. And it's got a great John Carpenter score. So I have almost no complaints about it. And again, I was trying to figure out not too many movies just take place in a church. I was going to pick Kingsman because that has the great shootout in the church. If I'm going to pick a movie that takes place mostly in the church, I got to pick Prince of Darkness. So that was a great question kevin i really appreciate that and then he asked what are your biggest pet peeves and this is gonna make you guys laugh but i absolutely hate tupperware and i really don't understand everyone's obsession with it i think tupperware is absolutely gross i i cannot in my wildest dreams understand how people like tupperware just get a paper plate and put tinfoil over it. That way it goes in the trash. You're just going to put leftovers in it. When you open it up, you get that just blast of disgusting food that's been sitting in your fridge smell. The worst is when people decide to put red sauce in it, and then you leave that stain that's left over. That's another thing. I hate red sauce, too. Tomato sauce is just disgusting. But when people combine that with Tupperware, I think you're a savage. I just, I, I, I hate that stuff. I, I did, That drives me nuts is Tupperware. Oh, and another big one for me is people who blow their nose. I hate hate people blowing their nose. I remember being in like second or third grade, you know, you're taking a test, everyone's all quiet, and then one kid, one animal gets up, walks over to the teacher's desk, he grabs a tissue and starts blowing his nose for the whole class to hear. That is just gross. So I just will never understand that. So honestly, it's going to sound really savage, and I know that, is I don't blow my nose. I almost, I suck it down like a man, you know? That's what I do. Yeah, I just, I, I won't do it. I won't blow, I just find that to be one of the grossest things, and I, I hate it. If someone blows their nose around me, like, they're dead to me. That's it. Like, don't do it. Go into a bathroom, lock the door, and don't let anyone know you're doing it, especially me. So those are my biggest pet peeves. Good question, Kevin. Thank you so much. And then Kevin asked, what are my top five Blu-rays in terms of special features? And number one, actually, is one I just got, did a review here on the channel for it, The Frighteners on 4K Blu-ray. I mean, that thing is a six-disc set, and it features a four-and-a-half-hour making-of documentary. For me, a good making-of documentary, not one that's like half-assed, 20 to 30 minutes. I don't mind those. I'll take those, too. But if you give me one that's a feature-length film, and this one is four-and-a-half hours, I am all in. Anytime that's on there, you're already going pretty high up on my list, but it's got plenty of other special features and in number two i got return to living dead this is a 4k that came out last year another one with a great making of documentary but it has special features like spread out through every single disc uh, another disc of just special features i mean it took me forever to get through all of those has a great making of documentary on there scream factory and i would say scream factory and criterion are the leaders in special features so i only picked one from each 
just because I wanted to give, I wanted to spread the love to a bunch of different companies that are doing good things with special features. You guys have heard me complain. If you don't give me any special features, that's a real hard knock against the Blu-ray of the 4K. Just because, you know, that's what separates it coming to home media. That's when we upgraded from VHS to DVD. Getting special features was a big deal because people were just excited to see something new, learn about the making of the movie. I mean, that's how I got just invested in making of films. I just love it. it I, I I know some people don't like to peel the curtain back and see how the sauce is made, but I do. I do. I really do appreciate it, whether it's in pro wrestling, anything. I always like to know how things are done. I like to get into the nitty-gritty of it all, so a good making-up documentary is always going to push something over the top. Number three, I got Blade Runner. Again, because it has a fantastic making-up documentary on it. A real One that just breaks down everything, whether it be the set design, character development, all of it. And I mean, Ridley Scott, he knows how to make beautiful-looking sets. He nailed it with Alien and Blade Runner, two of my probably three favorite set designs up there with Batman 1989. When you create worlds like that, just gorgeous looking worlds, whether it be with miniatures, just set design, you know, they kind of would transform a hotel to look like something that would be in the future. All that stuff is just done so, so, so well in Blade Runner. And you get to see every aspect of that. No rock is left unturned in that making of documentary. And there's plenty of other stuff on there as well. Plus, you get all the different cuts of on that Blu-ray. So if you don't have the 4K Blu-ray of Blade Runner, that's one I really recommend you pick up just in general from a visual audio and extra standpoint. Number four, I got Vinegar Syndrome's Roadhouse from last year. That's another one that is loaded up with special features. And there's also a great commentary track on there with Kevin Smith. And that's kind of why I put that one a little bit higher because that's just a good commentary track. You know, it's not, it's fans talking over the movie. And Kevin Smith's just, Kevin Smith's just a fan of Roadhouse. I love Roadhouse. That's one of those special movies for me. Is it stupid as hell? Absolutely. One of the stupidest plots to any movie I've ever seen. I love it though. I eat that shit up. I eat that for breakfast. That's how much I love Roadhouse. What a fantastic 4K. Loaded with special features. And at number five, I'm going to put Criterion's Citizen Kane. Now, I have complained about the packaging here on the channel. And the reason why is because there's so many discs. And I want to make sure I can get to every single one of them. Because they are loaded up with special features. Citizen Kane is one of the most influential films of all time. A lot of filmmaking techniques got started with Citizen Kane. You know, Orson Welles couldn't do it on his own. He had to have a good DP. All that is explored in the special features of that. You know, Orson Welles himself, like, he's one of those, like, troubled geniuses that we've had. One of the most famous people in history, no matter it being film or just anything. He was just one of those special people. So you want to dive into that. And that movie itself is still one of the greatest films ever made, almost 80 years later, or over 80 years later now. So that movie and all of its special features are very important, and Criterion knocked it out of the park with that one. It's just too bad that the packaging is just so awful. And I'm going to take a question from Rogue1677. He wrote, hmm... Okay, the movie you want to see get a re-release and remastered in 4K. Also, they announced Nightmare Before Christmas for a re-release in October 20th. That's actually pretty damn cool that they're re-releasing that in theaters. I would love to check that one out in theaters. I just reviewed the 4K here on the channel, but I do want to watch that during Halloween season, during spooky season. So maybe I will go check that out in theaters. It's probably the new scan and I have never seen it on the big screen. So maybe I will try to get out there. Um, the biggest one that I want remastered in 4K that's already been released on 4K is Terminator 2. That has a terrible 4K release. It's not the worst one I've ever seen, but Terminator 2 is one of my favorite films ever, and that being on 4K, I want it to be in a much higher quality than it is. Unfortunately, right now, it's pretty bad, if I'm being 100% honest. So I think we do need a brand new scan of it. It's crazy, too, because the scan of that is done by Studio Canal, who usually, for the most part, I have never had a complaint about any of their scans, but that one is very flawed. I don't know if Jim Cameron had his hands all over that, and maybe that's why we got a 
poor scan. I'm not 100% sure, but I definitely think that needs a brand new scan. So that's a great question, Rogue One. I really appreciate that one, buddy. And this one is from Darkwing Dave. What's up, Darkwing Dave? And he asks, what's your honest take on the Snow White, Rachel Zegler controversy? You think the film should be shelved? If you were if you were a Disney bigwig, how would you handle this situation? So for everyone who doesn't know, the Rachel Ziegler Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs situation is they're trying to make a Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs Disney live action film like they've been doing for years. Disney's trying to bring all their animated classics to live action, even in Lion King, which is still an animated film that they still brought to animation. There's nothing live action about that one. But either way, or they're trying to bring all of their films to live action. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, slated, I believe, for next year to come. And Rachel Zegler was cast in the lead role. Rachel Zegler, many people might know from the West Side Story remake from Steven Spielberg that came out at the end of 2021, I believe? Yeah, 2021. And, you know, she's a great actress, and she got cast in the lead role of Snow White. Now, of course, that created some controversy, because back in 1937, when the film was originally released, Snow White, even in the original book, she's labeled as you know, white as snow, hence the name. So many people were offended that they cast a woman who isn't white in the lead role. Now, this is something that has had controversy not just with this movie, but with movies like The Little Mermaid as well. And this has been going on and on about people being upset of them changing the race or the gender of certain roles that they associate with another race or gender. So this is creating more controversy. Now, my personal opinion on the matter, and also Rachel Zegler made a comment recently, I don't know if he's referring to this com- uh, this one as well, is that... You know, the in the original one, the a kind of stalker tone to it, I guess people were talking about. And she said that, you know, we're not going to be going that route with the remake. So a lot that offended a lot of people, too. But she also said that it's not 1937 anymore and we can make changes to update that. And I do kind of agree with her. And I also don't really have a problem with them casting Rachel Zegler in the lead role or anytime they change the gender or the role. The only time I think I would be offended if they ever changed the gender would be if they changed James Bond. There was a rumor about that them changing 007 James Bond to a female character. You know, there's nine different numbers. 00, I can go up to the right, 009 or something like that. Explore one of those characters and have them be a female. You don't need to, you know, change James Bond around. Just tell a different story. James Bond is the character. He is male. I don't care about what the race is on that, though, but I do think it should be a male character. And I think that's the only time I draw the line in the sand. You know, maybe Batman... Its name is Batman, and we have Batgirl, so there's no reason to gender swap there. But I have no problem with Disney ever having their lead actor or actress be switched to a different gender. 1937. Think about who was running Disney in 1937. Bet you it was a bunch of white guys. And who do you think they were animating? Mostly white people. All their movies were led by white people. Whenever they put people in there from other genders, they were pretty much making fun of them. Look at Song of the South or... Look at the, what are those, those birds from Dumbo? Like, that stuff really happened, and you can still see it to this day. So, you can't say that there wasn't racist people working at Disney back in the 1930s. And I feel like nowadays, we can just, we always have the original. Like, 1937s, we just talked about it last week, Snow White. It's coming to 4K Blu-ray. So, you can always have the original if you want to go back to it. If you don't want to see the new remake, I don't mind that at all. I get that. If it doesn't fit your wheelhouse, that's cool. But you can't get mad at Disney for trying to do something different with their film. Is Disney doing this because they really care about gender and racial issues in 2023? No, I think they're doing it for their bottom line, in my personal opinion. But I do think it's a good thing. I think inclusion is a big deal. I think it's important. I think we can make changes. You know, we'll always have the original. And if you don't like what they're doing with the remake, you don't have to see it. But we can't say that it 
doesn't need to be done. If they're going to go this route, I do appreciate them taking some leaps. I had no problem when they did it with The Little Mermaid, and I have no problem with them doing it with this movie. I hope it's a good movie. I will check it out. I definitely want, I'm definitely interested in it. Um, do I think it should be shelved? No, I don't think it should be shelved at all. I think they should continue on with it. You know, these make money for Disney. Have I liked any of the Disney remakes personally? Not really. I think Beauty and the Beast was really good. Aladdin was pretty good. But The Lion King, I thought, was offensively bad. But you know what? It's not for me, so I just won't watch it again. That's it. But, you know, for the most part, I felt like these Disney remakes are cash grabs. At the end of the day, I think Disney really only cares about money. But I do think it's still good that we're making changes to society so we can continue to move forward. So that's my honest thoughts on the matter. I mean, you guys might disagree with me on that, and I understand that. That's completely your right. But I just want to give you guys my thought, answer that question as honestly as I possibly could. So let me know what do you guys think. How do you feel about the Rachel Ziegler controversy? Just be nice in the comments if you have anything to say about that i know that that's a touchy subject here 2023 anything that has to do with politics i try and stay away from because i don't want to piss anyone off but i will answer your questions as honestly as i possibly could and this one is from blu-ray collector 18th or the 17th year blu-ray collector he's got a couple of names and he asks, what is the worst movie you've seen that was so bad you left the theater um i've actually never walked out of a movie in my entire life i've had movies that were so bad that they would put me to sleep or i wanted to walk out but I've always actually felt like, you know, I spent my money. I'm going to get my money's worth. So I'm going to see this movie through. And how many movies have you guys all seen where, like, they fumble the ball throughout the entire film, but at the very end, they pick it up and score a touchdown? Plus, if you're seeing an M. Night Shyamalan movie, you have to see it through because it's, it's going to have a twist at the end of it. A lot of twists. A lot of twists in this thing. And you know what? That might save the movie, or in a lot of cases, it might hurt the movie. I'm looking at you, The Village. So, you gotta see it through, so I'm always there, I'm gonna always try to see the movie till the very end, so I've never walked out of a movie, but I have had some pretty damn bad movie theater experiences. I've actually answered this question before here on the channel, and I would have to say more, most recently, Morbius starring Jared Leto was one of the worst movies I saw last year that I just thought was atrocious. I thought the only good part of that movie were the opening credits. The colors actually matched, like, the color scheme of the channel, so I really did appreciate that. Everything else in the movie was just absolute garbage to me. But if you guys like Morbius, I understand that. I don't. I think that movie is just really, really bad. So I would have to say that that was probably the worst movie that I've ever seen in theaters, at least recently. I also, back whenever it came out, I want to say 2003, Ang Lee's Hulk. I remember being very, very, very disappointed at the time, but I was also 11. So I don't think that movie was actually gauged towards children. That movie is probably more gauged towards adults. And I actually haven't revisited it, but I really think I would appreciate it more now than I did back in 2003. It's been 20 years. I've grown a lot as a human being, and I think I might like it a little bit more and i think it deserves another shot if you know ang lee is a great director and if you want to see a crazy 4k if you have an oled definitely grab gemini man on 4k that thing is uh it's a crazy what they did with the frame rate and what that movie looks like it almost looks too real that's something i never thought i would say but yeah gemini man it looks better than the real world looks that's how good of a 4k that is and it's really a lot to do with the frame rate so speaking of ang lee so that was a great question buddy i really appreciate that and this one is from frank rodriguez and he asked a couple questions he asked don't know if it's already been asked, but what's the physical media release you're looking forward to in September? He said, mine is the time between The Exorcist and It Follows. Uh, the Exorcist is also mine, Frank. That's the one I'm most looking forward to for September 2023. Right behind that for me would actually be coming up this week. Batman Mask of the Phantasm. I think that's one of the best Batman movies ever made. As a big fan of Batman the Animated Series... And that movie, I'm super excited to get that on 4K. I'm really curious to see what, they do, what they're do, what they doing with it. It's Warner Brothers release, and they usually have some of the nicest transfers. So I can't wait to see what that looks like in 4K. The Exorcist also being done by Warner Brothers. 
That's another movie I absolutely love. I can't wait to see what they do with that in 4K. Uh, Natural Born Killers at the end of the month is also one I'm really looking forward to. The way that movie is shot, it just looks absolutely gorgeous. So I can't wait to see what they do with that 4K as well. That's a Shout Select release, I believe, coming out the last week of September. And then he asks, same question, but for the movie theaters in September. And his is, It Lives Inside or The Nun 2. Yes, I'm actually seeing The Nun 2 right after I get done filming this show. I, by the time you guys see this video... I would have already seen it, and you've already seen my review, so you know my thoughts even before I know my thoughts in this present time when I'm recording this. So that's actually what I'm really looking forward to, but it's going to be Saw X for me. I'm not the biggest fan of a lot of the Saw sequels, but I always go and try them out because Saw, the first one, is one of my favorite movie theater experiences of my entire life, and then after that, it became a tradition to go see Saw uh, in theaters. I'm a little upset that they actually moved it up out of October. That feels more like a Halloween release, but it's still spooky season. I believe Spiral, the last one, the Spiral from the Book of Saw, the Chris Rock one, that one actually, I think, came out in the summer, which made more sense because that movie, it does feel very hot. They actually caught the heat of New York City in that movie, and I really appreciated that. But I'm very excited to go see Saw X in theaters. You know, we're going to start in October, November, we're going to start getting all the movies that came out at the film festivals, getting ready for the Oscars, and there's so much coming out that I can't wait. You know, all the reviews coming out about The Killer and Ferrari, I mean, that stuff, I'm just super excited. I can't wait to see those movies. And on one of these days... I want to go to a film festival, not the Venice Film Festival. I recently found out about Venice and all those water taxis, and that stuff scares the shit out of me, so I don't know if I can handle Venice. And then, Frank asks, what's been your favorite audio experience 4K release so far? Mine is all quiet on the Western Front. Holy shit, what an amazing Dolby Atmos experience. It's actually pretty funny. I haven't gotten that on 4K Blu-ray yet. I saw that last year when it came to Netflix, and I was blown away by that film. It's beautifully shot. The audio was good on Netflix, too, and I can't wait to get that on 4K Blu-ray. I actually don't know why I haven't picked that up yet, but I can only imagine how good that is. But if we're going all time, my favorites are actually both Tom Cruise movies. Uh, Top Gun Maverick is probably the most reference quality I've ever heard, and then Days of Thunder. I mean, that movie doesn't even have a Dolby Atmos track, but that I just absolutely love the audio on Days of Thunder. That is still one of my favorite 4K releases, and one of the most underrated 4K releases ever. The audio on that, though, is incredible. All the race scenes you know you would think that that would overwhelm the dialogue but it really doesn't it's mixed just so well what an audio track on that and then he asks what's been your surprise 4k so far this year mine is burial ground from 88 films never seen it before until i picked up the recently 4k and it's now one of my favorite zombie films. Wow, that's really saying a lot. I might have to grab that on 4K then. I actually haven't bought much from 88 Films. I don't know if I even have an 88 Films Blu-ray or 4K in my collection, to be honest with you, Frank. So maybe I will have to check that one out. And it sounds really awesome. I definitely want to check that one out. Uh, probably my biggest surprise this year came out this past week. Matilda on 4K Blu-ray. You know, that's a movie of a certain time, of a certain generation, you know, my gr my age group, growing up as kids, we all saw Matilda. We all loved Matilda. We all knew the Trunchable. I didn't expect that movie to get a 4K release, especially in a steelbook, and especially with all the bells and whistles. That not only was one of the most visually stunning 4Ks I've seen this year, it also had amazing audio. I told the story in my review about how the sirens were going off in the movie, and I was confused if they were outside my house or in the film. That's how good that audio track was, speaking of good audio tracks. So that really was my biggest surprise so far this year. I was just blown away by that. So that's a 4K release. I didn't expect to be as good as it was. I was just so happy. I, I really was. So if you guys haven't seen Matilda on 4K yet, 
you're doing yourself a disservice. Definitely check that one out. So thank you so much, Frank. I really do appreciate that. And this one's from the Unknown Seeker four eight five, and he asks, "What is the best and greatest Blu-ray that you own, and you won't let it go?" And it's okay. We're gonna get back into it. Uh, probably Days of Thunder. Uh, I was trying to like really figure out what you wanted me to answer with this question. I wasn't a hundred percent sure if you wanted a Blu-ray or a four K, if it really mattered. So I wanted to pick something that really has a little bit of everything in it. You know, I wanted to have something that has great visuals, great audio, and it's a movie that I absolutely love and one that you could just rewatch over and over. So if I had to lose everything in my collection obviously the terminator is my favorite film of all time i really wouldn't want to lose that but in the spirit of your question i want something that is going to always show off my system is going to look beautiful and i can put it on every single day and enjoy it i came down to this or batman but i feel like days of thunder has much better audio and visuals than batman's 4k because batman just in general is a very dark film and i don't mean like dark in tone which it is but i mean dark as far as visually it's it's a pretty dark film that's just how they shot it but days of thunder is just visually stunning like I was just talking about a few minutes ago about its audio track. What an audio track. The cars never sounded great. And I just love Cole Trico and Rowdy Burns and Harry Gant. Well, it's not Harry Gant. Harry Hyde. <laughs> Harry Gant's a real NASCAR driver. Ha- handsome Harry Gant. But Harry Hyde, played by uh, Robert Duvall. That movie, I- I'm telling you, I watch it every single year, at least once a year. It's one of those go-to feel-good movies for me. Uh, it's a cheesy, early 90s action movie directed by Tony Scott, a, mo- and a-, a director who I absolutely love. And you get all the Tony Scott-isms in this movie. So Days of Thunder is that one Blu-ray, one 4K Blu-ray I-, I just can't live without. And that's the one that I would choose to keep if I had to get rid of every single one of my collection. So that was a great question. I really do appreciate that, buddy. And the next one is from Lorenzo Harris, man of God. Actually, he wrote, no question for me this week. Just wanted to give you a shout out and say thanks for the daily content. It really helps during my sluggish work days. Uh, Lorenzo, I really appreciate that so much, buddy. That means the world to me. That's all I'm trying to do is just be entertaining. Uh, This channel, the reason why it's called Let's Talk Entertainment and Media is I review physical media, but I'm also here to entertain you guys. You know, I I could sit here and just give you a bland, boring-ass review of something, but I want to try and entertain you guys. That's why I put all the clips in. I try to, you know, make your days a little bit better. It's fun for me to do these reviews. It's fun for me to do this show. And it's just fun for me to interact with you guys. I really feel like we have a great community here. I've never really had any issues with anybody. Everybody has been just super nice, not just to me, but to each other. And that means a lot to me. I, that's all I really look for in this world is good people. I, I just hate that everyone seems so angry and pissed off in the world nowadays, you know, especially in here in the U.S. with the political climate we live in. And it's nice to know that somebody really does appreciate what I do here and gets it, gets what I'm going for, you know, what I'm going for with entertainment-wise. And I'm glad that I can uh, make your day a little bit better because that's really all I can ever ask for. That compliment means so much to me, and I just want to read that out loud on the show, Lorenzo. Thank you so much. That I really, like, I'm bad at showing emotion, but I really appreciate that, buddy. Thank you so much. This question is from Rich Ru. Rudermeister, and he asks, which big movies are you surprised that haven't been given the 4K treatment yet? I know Cameron's Titanic, as well as the first Terminator movie and a new 4K transfer of T2, LOL, is on everyone's list, but I'm really surprised Troy, Brad Pick, Eric Bana, hasn't gotten a 4K release. I love Troy. With its epic battles, it would sound awesome in Dolby Atmos, and that scenery would pop in HDR. You know what's really funny is a buddy of mine, Alan, that is his favorite movie of all time. He's a big Brad Pick guy. He'll watch every movie, but Troy is his favorite movie of all time so i'm sure he would agree with you that that deserves a 4k blu-ray it's either that or spaceball spaceball's already actually already got the 4k blu-ray treatment 
But this one, there's a lot of movies. This was really hard. Movies that I'm surprised, though. Uh, the first one that popped in my mind was Paul Thomas Anderson's Boogie Nights. There's a rumor. Actually, I think it's confirmed. There Will Be Blood is coming to 4K. But Boogie Nights was a huge phenomenon back in 1998. Burt Reynolds was like the front runner for best actor until he fucked himself. That movie was just a hit. That put Paul Thomas Anderson on the map. I pretty much have compared it to Goodfellas. It's my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson movie. And I just still can't believe that movie hasn't come to 4K. And most Paul Thomas Anderson movies haven't come to 4K. The only one that's out on 4K right now is Phantom Thread. So I feel like there's just certain directors that haven't had their movies come to 4K. Django Unchained. We finally started getting the Quentin Tarantino movies on 4K. Uh, we got Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction last year. We had Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Glorious Bastards, but we still haven't gotten Jackie Brown, Kill Bill 1 and 2, which are rumored to be coming. We haven't gotten Django Unchained. We haven't gotten Death Proof. We haven't gotten The Hateful Eight. Chinatown, I've said a million times, is the number one behind Terminator that hasn't come to 4K yet. That's another one that somebody told me recently is coming from Paramount next year. I hope they're right. They wouldn't lie to me, so I think that is going to be coming out next year. Tombstone. I don't know how Tombstone hasn't come to 4K. That's another one. Big movie from 1993. James, who uh, comments on this video, I know that's his one of his favorite movies. It actually might be his favorite movie of all time, so I know that that's one he'll agree with me. That movie needs to come to 4K Blu-ray. That was a phenomenon. And plus, I always just quote, who doesn't quote Val Kilmer's I'm your huckleberry. Entire Nightmare on Elm Street franchise has it come to 4K. You know, you hear rumors all the time about the first one coming to 4K, but for some reason we haven't gotten anything from the franchise. I mean, they can leave the 2010 remake alone and just let that die and let's pretend it never happened. But all the other ones, even the bad ones, I still want on 4K Blu-ray. Like, I've said it before, Freddy's Dead is one of the worst movies ever, but I just love Freddy's Dead. I can watch that every single year. It's highly, highly entertaining, but it is a bad movie. Goodwill Hunting. Have we not gotten Goodwill Hunting? This year's the 25th anniversary of it, or was last year? Either way, you would have thought that would have got a 4K Blu-ray release. Robin Williams, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are still huge. Robin Williams is one of the most famous actors ever. No actor ever hurt me more dying than Robin Williams. That one absolutely killed me people in my around my age group again they just love robin williams but even people older than me who were around for the mork and mindy days and everything he did in the stand-up world love him but if you were a kid of the 90s and you saw movies like jumanji mrs doubtfire you loved robin williams so you would have thought goodwill hunting where he won his only academy award would come to 4k blu-ray but surprisingly it hasn't maybe one of these days so that was a great question rich i really do appreciate that and then we got another Kevin L. question, and he asked, How would you rank the following actors' filmography? Michael Keaton, Brad Pitt, Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise, Jack Nicholson, Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert Williams, Robert De Niro, Jim Carrey, Adam Sandler, and The Rock. And we'll count them down. At number 11, we got The Rock. I think The Rock is not a great actor. I love The Rock. Grew up a wrestling fan, still a wrestling fan to this very day. The Rock was one of the best wrestlers to ever do it. No one cut a promo like The Rock. Rock, though, as a lead actor... Not great. Works better in an ensemble. That's why I'm glad he went crawling back to Vin Diesel in the Fast and Furious franchise because there's always room for family. That'll work better for him. I just have never loved The Rock and this the leading man. I don't buy it. People have compared him to Arnold Schwarzenegger and I say to those people, how dare you? Arnold Schwarzenegger's Arnold Schwarzenegger. And at number 10, I got Jim Carrey. Love Jim Carrey. My first favorite actor of all time. But Jim Carrey, you know... He fell off pretty hard after Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. He would come back here and there. 
but I haven't seen Jim Carrey really do something that's blown me away in years. That's kind of just what happens to comedians, unfortunately, but you can never replace what he did in the 90s. But in comparison to the other people on this list, I have to put him at number 10, and that is unfortunate. At number 9, I got Adam Sandler. Again, another guy who I absolutely love. My wife is going to be pissed that I put him at number 9, but I have no choice. <laughs> He is a great actor. I just watched his other his new movie that came out that he did with his kids and wife. You're so not going to my Bob Mitzvah. And he was great. When he decides to do dramatic roles like Uncut Gems, he's great in those roles. But obviously his run of comedies that he did in the 90s, Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, Big Daddy, The Waterboy, Click, everything that he was doing, The Wedding Singer, which is my favorite of his movies. Somebody kill me, Cannot be denied, but I have to still put him at number nine. Number eight, I got Brad Pitt. Similar thing, but Brad Pitt has been consistent throughout his entire career. It's just that he's never really hit the highest of highs. He's always just been really reliable, really good. He is a great actor. I was really happy to see him win his Academy Award for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I can't say that he has been the greatest actor, and especially compared to these other actors, he still is a great actor. I actually do think that he's pretty underrated. I think people kind of sell him short because he's really handsome, but he really is a great actor. Number seven, I got Robin Williams. Robin Williams just didn't have the longest run as far as filmmaking goes. You know, he was in Popeye, and then he took a really long break, and then he kind of came back in, like, the mid to late 80s with Dead Poets Society. Then he had a great run in the 90s with movies like Jumanji, Doubtfire, Goodwill Hunting, even movies that people probably don't care about, like Bicentennial Man that I absolutely love, Patch Adams, which I don't love. And then he did voice work for Aladdin. Robin Williams could do it all. He was one of the greatest actors to ever do it. And to think, he was a TV actor and a stand-up comedian, and he had this crazy run. He won an Academy Award for Goodwill Hunting. But I gotta still put him at number seven. At number six, this one hurt. I gotta put Michael Keaton there. I love Michael Keaton. I love I love comedian Michael Keaton with movies like Night Shift. I love Batman. I love Beetlejuice. I love Pacific Heights. I love the movie My Life. I love Jack Frost from 1998. Nobody likes that movie. I like White Noise. Like Michael Keaton, I love his filmography. Birdman, everything he's been doing lately, Spotlight, like he's just amazing. He's one of my favorite actors to ever do it. I love him. He's one of my favorite people. He's a great guy. But I can't say that he's ever, he's never won an Academy Award. He hasn't hit the highs of some of the other actors that I have to put before him. From a personal standpoint, love the guy. But, you know, I understand that his filmography, especially in the 90s, he had a rough go of it. That's why Birdman was such a big deal because people felt like he was back. He got away from doing the Herbie Fully Loaded's of the world. Number five, I'm putting my boy Jack. It's your old pal Jack here. Jack Nicholson. I love Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson is a three-time Academy Award winner. He won one in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. You know, in movies like Chinatown, Terms of Endearment, even a movie I don't like, As Good As It Gets, working with James L. Brooks. You know, he could do comedy in movies like Anger Management. He'll even pop up in movies like Mars Attacks. He comes in, steals the show in movies like A Few Good Men. And he was doing that all through the 80s and 90s. Look at broadcast news. He just pops in with another James L. Brooks movies, does a couple of scenes, steals the show from everybody who's in the movie, and just walks out. That's how good Jack Nicholson is. The Shining. I mean, he is just, again, this is another top five actor of me. For me, all time. Love the guy. Love all the stories about him. He's a legend. I mean, people getting on him for getting old is pretty fucked up because it's Jack Nicholson. You leave Jack Nicholson alone. 
Number four, Leonardo DiCaprio. And this is just because he has a phenomenal body of work. Once we hit like 1998 and he became just a superstar with 1997's Titanic, that was it. He was off and running. He had a few good movies though before that. I really feel like people sell Basketball Diaries short. That movie is a classic. Obviously, what's eating Gilbert Grape put him on the map. But then, at once we get to like 2006, the same year he did Blood Diamond and The Departed. I feel like that was it. He didn't miss from that point on. He was only just showing up in leading roles, and they were always critically acclaimed roles. It's really a shame that he didn't win his Academy Award for many years because he had plenty of Academy Award winning performances in movies like The Wolf of Wall Street, Shutter Island, Inception. And then obviously once we get to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I mean Brad Pitt kind of outshined him, but I disagree with that analysis. I think Leonardo DiCaprio had the better performance in that movie. Not saying that Brad Pitt didn't have a great performance, but Leonardo DiCaprio had a phenomenal performance. There's an argument to be made that Leonardo DiCaprio should be a three or four time Academy Award t- winner and the movie he ends up winning his Academy Award for is one that I don't really love but I feel like it's like uh we're sorry we didn't give it to you for the Wolf of Wall Street you should have won for that but here you go <laughs> and yeah, it just really bothers me he did such a good job in that movie number three Robert De Niro I mean again multiple time Academy Award winner has been working since the 1970s has another movie Killers of the Flower Moon I'm absolutely looking forward to that movie can't wait so he's still turning out these performances the only thing that kind of drags down Robert De Niro Heroes filmography is all of the bad comedies he's done over the last 20 years. Not knocking him for it. Man's got to work. He seems like he's enjoying it. He's earned that right. I mean, this guy was in Raging Bull. This guy was in Goodfellas. He was in Mean Streets. He could do whatever the fuck he wants. He doesn't need me to tell him what to do. But I do feel like if you're looking at his filmography on a paper, uh, Bad Grandpa is just going to stand out against everything else or Hide and Seek. Like, those movies, they don't look good in comparison to movies like Casino, in my opinion, or Backdraft, which I know a lot of people might not think of that movie, or even movies where he directed, like A Bronx Tale. Like, those movies, Bad Grandpa, Bronx Tale... They're not a one-for-one. But he's still Robert De Niro, and that's why I put him at number three. At number two, I got Tom Cruise. Uh, Tom Cruise, for me, it's a running joke here on the channel that when Matt was on it, we had a crush on Tom Cruise because we just pretty much love every single movie he makes. And you're not wrong. I love Tom Cruise. I love all of his films pretty much. There's not many in there that I would say is a swing and a miss. Maybe the Jack Reacher or Jack Ryan. I always get them mixed up. Those movies are just very forgettable. But there really isn't too much in there that I'd say he missed on. I mean, he's made some of my favorite movies ever. The Mission Impossible franchise is one of the greatest franchises to ever exist. Mainly because every movie in it is good. That's six films. Or actually, no, I'm sorry. Seven films. Is it six or seven? Seven films now that are all fantastic. Days of Thunder, you heard me talk about it. I would take that movie with me on a desert island because I love that movie so much. He stars in that Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick. I mean, Tom Cruise just couldn't miss, man, for me. Vanilla Sky, love that movie as well. Minority Report. This guy's filmography is just, for me, home run, home run, home run, home run, home run. And at the very worst, you get a ground rule double. That's how much I love Tom Cruise. And at number one, I got to put Tom Hanks, my favorite actor of all time. And the run this guy went on in the 1990s cannot be beat. But I still love the stuff he was doing in the 1980s. Turner and Hooch is one of my favorite movies ever. I know it's a stupid 80s cheesy movie, but that movie is one of those go-to feel-good movies, just like Forrest Gump. If I'm in a bad mood, I put Forrest Gump on. I know it's a cool thing to hate Forrest Gump now. You're not going to hear me say that here on this channel because I love Forrest Gump. I don't think it should be Pulp Fiction for Best Picture, Shamrock Balls, but I still think that it's a great film. I still think it's one that I would absolutely run back to if i'm ever feeling sad you put forrest gump on it'll make you feel good but even so let's look at what he did in the 90s he did a league of their own love that movie 
Sleepless in Seattle, one of my favorite rom-coms. Toy Story, Philadelphia, one of my favorite movies ever made. Won the Academy Award for it. Apollo 13. And then once we get to 2000, he does Castaway. The guy's acting against the volleyball. He did Captain Phillips. He still makes movies to this day. He did, you know, maybe his filmography since like 2010 isn't the greatest, but he still every once in a while will knock one out of the park. You know, remind you that, hey, I'm Tom Hanks. I know how to act. But what he was doing in the 1990s, one of the best decades ever for any actor, it was what Tom Hanks was doing in the 1990s. He couldn't miss. He even directed That Thing You Do, which he has a small role in that as well. That's how good he was in the 1990s. But he had a great decade in the 1980s with Big. I forgot about Big. That was another big childhood film for me. Me and my wife loved The Money Pit, mainly because our house is pretty much like just like that house, just 10 times smaller, but falling apart in the exact same way. So we just love that movie. So I have to put Tom Tom Hanks at number one. This next question is from Rick Rudermeister. Okay, this question is kind of deep, Big Sexy. Is there any movie that had a profound impact upon you? Maybe when growing up as a kid or even as an adult. Maybe not shaping your life as but as such, but just resulting in appreciating, appreciating life issues from a different perspective. Um, actually, yeah, I've had a few of these movies that have hit me, like, really hard and made me look at life in a different way. I, first of all, I love philosophical movies that are just exploring life. A lot of my favorite movies ever are exploring, like, what life is, the human condition. And I think that, actually, it has helped me to understand other human beings and appreciate it from other people's different perspectives on life. Like, I really feel like that if more people are into movies, I mean, it's kind of stupid to say, I guess... But if more people were into movies and you can actually maybe explore how other people are feeling and try and look at life from other people's perspectives. Because, yes, you look at it from your perspective. We are all the heroes in our own stories. But if you can try and look at it from somebody else's perspective and try and, like, put yourself in their shoes. How would you feel if you were going through what they're going through? And I feel like if we could all do that, maybe we wouldn't be so hateful and angry towards each other on this planet. Because at the end of the day, we're all human beings. We're only here for a short time. And if we could just treat each other a little bit better, we can make our journeys all a lot better. So I've had some movies that have really shown me other people's perspectives and looks at life that have really hit me really hard. I did a review on the channel for a movie called Paris, Texas a few months ago. And actually, I guess it's more like a few weeks ago. And that movie is one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time. And that's because there's a scene in that movie with a two-way mirror, a husband and a wife. They haven't seen each other in a very long time. They don't even see each other in the scene. He sees her, but she can't see him. And he's telling her their life story, the story of their entire relationship that led to him eventually leaving and her having to give up their son to his brother and his wife. And he's telling this story to her. And I mean, I'm sitting there with just tears running down my face listening to this tragic story, but a real story, a story that could happen to you or me. You know, we all fall in love. Like, yes, not everybody falls in love. But if you fall in love, you know, the highs of the honeymoon phase and then the lows of just getting through the rest of your life and the day-to-day, the monogamy of it all and how tough it could be, you know, how much financial difficulties you could have, just how other aspects of your life can take a toll on your entire marriage or jealousy and how all of this stuff intervenes in what your life is and what you want it to become. Nobody goes into this world with these kind of ideas of everyone wants everyone has dreams everyone has fantasies everyone wants to put themselves in the best position possible nobody ever goes out there one day and says you know what i want to be poor i want to have a hard life i want to make it as bad as i could pop no everyone wants to have a good life and this is just showing you this one scene is just showing you that you know these people went into something with the best of intentions they did love each other 
but love was lost. We lost it. And, you know, it's probably gone forever. And that's something that a lot of movies like to always show you, the rekindling of the love. But that's not meant to be in this story. And I absolutely love that. And Paris, Texas hit me with that. Another one is my favorite film from a couple years ago, Nine Days, starring Zazie Beetz and Winston Duke in the starring role. You know, it was it was told to me, it's very much like the movie Soul. came out the same year as Pixar's Soul. They pitched it as... It's the same thing, but it's told live action. So basically, Winston Duke plays a character. He's picking from a bunch of angels. One of them is going to get to be a human. He has, they have to base, It's basically a job interview. He's conducting a job interview over a few days. He's got a bunch of people coming in. He's going to put them all through tests. And whoever he feels is the most worthy of going to Earth will go to Earth. I love this movie. It's beautifully shot. Winston Duke is a phenomenal actor. I hope he gets more work because he did such a good job in this movie. And at the very beginning of this movie, the first scene of the movie, the last person he picked to go to Earth, like they, him and another character, they're watching on TV what she's going through on that very day, like just watching her driving around in the streets. And we then all of a sudden she veers and gets in a car accident and it's revealed that she has killed herself. And when she does this, it has an impact on Winston Duke. Like, now he's trying to pick the most efficient character, one that doesn't have flaws. That's what he's looking for. He's picking, he's looking for someone that doesn't have these flaws where he feels like he blames himself for that character killing themselves. He's the one who put them in that position. He picked her. And when this happens, it just breaks him down. And it really just shows you the difficulties of life. Like, what do you want out of life? Do you want to have a, a journey where you're strong and you're... You know, you're committed to all your job and all your obligations. Are you committed to all of that? Or you want somebody who's going to be, like, artistic, have a good creative energy, but might not be the most well-off. Like, that's what this movie is exploring. So, Nine Days is a movie that, if you haven't seen it, I really think you should. Because that's one that really hit me personally. A movie that made me reflect on my own life and my own decisions. And it has some phenomenal performances in it. So, I'm definitely going to say Paris, Texas... And Nine Days are two movies that hit me so hard emotionally and have really made me rethink of what life is and really explores the human condition so well. Those are two movies I recommend to you guys if you haven't seen them yet. So Rich Rudermeister and Kevin L. actually asked me a couple other questions. Guys, we're going to save those questions for next week. So you guys can send, if you want to send in more questions for next week, I really appreciate that. But we had so many this week, I couldn't get to them all. So Kevin, I have one question from last week I still haven't answered. I'll answer that next week with one of your other questions. And Rick Rudermeister, same thing. I appreciate you guys so much for sending those in. Thank you all so much. Everybody who sent in a question this week. There were so many of them. Most questions we ever had. Thank you all so, so much. Thank you all for being a fan of Let's Talk and Let's Talk Physical Media. I hope you guys all enjoyed the show. And if you did, make sure you hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, then just get out in those streets and tell your friends about us. We'll be seeing you around. Mm -hmm.